In uh, Luke chapter 1, I just want to read the text and just share a few thoughts with you this morning. We read these words, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man, or have not known a man? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said in verse 38, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. Father, I pray in these few moments that we share together around your word that you'd speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to believe for things that we have already in our minds and hearts put away. Maybe we have said we don't think it'll ever happen. Help us, Lord, to believe for those things. For with you, the Bible is clear, all things are possible. Would you speak to our hearts, anoint me, not because I deserve it, not because I've earned it, but because I need it, just to speak a word into someone's heart today that would be life-changing and transformative. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Today we're looking at the final miraculous birth in the shadow of the manger and it makes good sense that we would look at the birth of Jesus. When Matthew records the story, he speaks of the angelic announcement to Joseph, but when Luke tells the story, as we read today, he speaks about the angel speaking directly to Mary. We know a few things about Mary just from this short account. We know that she had a relative Initially, that relative is unnamed. It turns out to be Elizabeth. Second, we learn that she is young. Thirdly, we learn that she is poor. Fourthly, we find out that she is a devout believer in God. But then finally, we find out she's very much in love, and that's the one I want to talk about for just a few moments. Mary is a teenager in love with her husband-to-be. She may have been as young as 12 in that culture or 13. She might have been as old as 18 or 19, but if we said 16, we wouldn't be too far off the mark. When the story opens, Mary, this young teenage girl, is pledged, or as we would say, engaged to a man by the name of Joseph. She had formally agreed to marry him, as was the cultural custom but the wedding had not yet taken place. Between the pledge or the engagement or the betrothal 
and the wedding feast was a period usually lasting somewhere between six months and a year. During that period, the couple was considered to be married and they, even though they did not live together, they would remain faithful. They would not engage other relationships and they did not consummate their own marriage physically. Following the custom of that day, Mary would live with her parents and Joseph would live with his. And after the public wedding feast, Mary and Joseph would then live together as husband and wife. Everything in Luke chapter one and two happens in the context of that background. Mary is 16, living with her parents, presumably in Nazareth, and waiting with happy anticipation for the day of her wedding. Imagine what that would look like today. Imagine what yours looked like as you anticipated that wedding day. But all of that is blown up. All of that is interrupted by Gabriel's appearance and his announcement. Alarmed, Mary was, the angel said, don't be afraid. Mary, you're gonna conceive a baby. And he's gonna be great. He's gonna be called the son of God, the son of the most high God, and he will reign in his father's house. And the obvious question that Mary would ask and did ask is, how in the world could that be? I'm a virgin. I've never known a man. The response of the angel was this, the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you and the power of the highest is gonna overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born is gonna be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. She's already in the sixth month, the one who everyone else called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. The key point in Gabriel's explanation is that what is about to happen will be the result of divine intervention. God is going to act. The Holy Spirit is the agent of the virgin birth. Overshadowing is the means of the virgin birth. And the Son of God is the result of the virgin birth. Sadly, that particular doctrine is under great challenge today, even in evangelical circles. Some are even suggesting that the virgin birth is unnecessary. Even if it did happen, it wasn't necessary to our faith that God could have brought Jesus into the world some other way, but Gabriel's words seem to indicate the opposites. The whole point of verse 35 is that it is the virgin birth that produces the Holy Son of God. So without it, we would be empty today and without hope. Without it, the virgin conception by the Holy Spirit, the Holy One of God would not be born. There was really no other way for Jesus to be born. Gabriel's words imply that the virgin birth was not just another Christmas miracle that God could have dispensed with had he so chosen. The truth of the matter is that without the virgin birth, there would be no Christmas. There would be no celebration at all. William Hendrickson added this really helpful note. He said, does this mean that Gabriel now has made everything perfectly clear to Mary? Of course not. 
As anyone who has ever taken a course in the human embryology knows, even ordinary conception within the human womb is veiled in mystery. You can read Psalm 139 and know that. Therefore, this unique conception by means of which the pre-existing word of God assumes the human nature surpasses human comprehension all the more. Neither God nor Gabriel demands of Mary that she must understand everything. What is required of her is only this, that she believes and that she willingly submits. Let me begin by saying, first of all, nothing is impossible with God. Since Mary would likely have doubts about all of this, Gabriel calls her attention to the case of her relative who is now in the sixth month of her pregnancy, which will result in the birth of John the Baptist. And the angel points out that she was barren. Everyone called her barren. It was impossible that she was going to have a child, and yet she is in her sixth month. That is that they were both, Elizabeth and Zacharias, too old to have children, and yet through the miracle of God, she was expecting her first child. While the cases are not the same, Mary was a teen and Elizabeth an elderly woman, they both required a miracle. Both are human impossibilities that are made possible by God alone. Let me just paraphrase what Gabriel might have said to Mary. Mary, if you doubt my word, just take a look at Elizabeth. She's expecting her first child, even though she's too old to have children. Mary, if God can do that for her, don't you think he can do it for you? And notice the simple faith of this teenage girl. Mary has traditionally in the church world been revered and certainly she should be honored, but she is still fully human with no divinity. Luke makes it clear that she was very real, had very real doubts, very real questions, but also very real faith. Nowhere is the scene more clearly than in verse 38 when she just simply said, I'm the Lord's servant. May it happen just like you said. It's one of the greatest statements of faith in all of the Bible. We read it so often that we forget how great it really is. It's two o'clock in the afternoon and you're 16 and you're in love. Your mom asks you to go get water from the well. And on your way, an angel tells you that you're going to give birth to the Son of God. But don't worry about it because the Holy Spirit is gonna overshadow you like a cloud and you're going to get pregnant. Seems impossible, but not with God. And that's all there is to it. What do you say to that? Mary said, I don't understand, but I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. When the angel said nothing is impossible with God, Mary took a deep breath. Be it unto me as you've said. And with those words, Christmas came to our world. Think about the price she must have paid. The cost to say yes was great. Imagine the lies and the rumors, the sleepless nights, as she wondered what people thought about this bizarre story she was telling, the gossip that must have come from the people of Nazareth. Now we know the end of the story, but she didn't know how Joseph was gonna react. 
fact, Joseph had questions. He was going to put her away privately. He wasn't going to make a big deal out of it, but he wasn't going to marry her. He was going to divorce her privately until the angel spoke to him. He didn't get angry, but he had doubts. Her whole future was at stake. And that would only be the beginning. She would later experience heartache, opposition, slander, anguish, pain. She would one day stand at the foot of the cross and watch her son be crucified and feel such extraordinary loneliness. She had no idea what it would all entail. Maybe that was a good thing. She didn't know what was going to happen when the angel told her what to expect. She didn't know all the details. She just said, I'm your servant. Let it be as you have said. Two great things about Mary. She believed God when it seemed to be impossible, and she never looked back. When God said, are you willing, Mary, to believe the impossible? She said, yes, I am. And without that, yes, there would have been no Christmas. Mary was a woman that God could trust. I'm sure she said, why me? Why would God choose this peasant girl to be the vehicle to bring the Son of God into the world? God chose her because he trusted her. He knew she was willing to believe the impossible and she was willing to pay the price and never look back. She said yes to shame and to glory and yes to God's power. It brought her burden, 33 years of pain and anguish, but it brought her joy, the mother, the son of God. It brought her reward for among women, none is more highly favored. If somehow Mary could be here today and we would say, Mary, was it worth it? She would say, absolutely yes. Can I tell you it's still true that nothing is impossible with God. But it's also true that someone has to say yes or else the impossible will never happen. That should encourage us. Christmas is filled with miracles for those who will believe. The wise men saw the star as a miraculous sign and they traveled to Bethlehem. The angels sung to the shepherds and they traveled to worship the savior of the world. An old woman gets pregnant, a virgin gets pregnant, a wicked king kills all the babies in Bethlehem except the one baby he most wanted to kill. Parents were warned in a dream of the evil plan. They flee to Egypt just in the nick of the time. There are miracles galore in the Christmas story. Here are two words that always go together, Christmas and miracles. And it's such good news for us today because some of you in this room need miracles in your life today. For some of you, Christmas is going to be lonely this year. You're without that husband or wife or that son or that daughter or that grandson or granddaughter or grandparent. Some of you are facing a financial crisis that looks hopeless to you right now. Some of you are out of work and don't have a single lead on a good job. Some of you are looking at a marriage that seems worse than hopeless. Some of you are estranged from members of your own family. Some who have, have children who are far away from God. Some of you feel far away from God yourself. These problems seem impossible to solve by any human means. And for the most part, they are. After all, if human means could solve your problems, they would have been solved long ago. But Christmas is all about miracles. 
They happened 2,000 years ago and they can still happen today. What is it that God wants from us? Does he want us to totally comprehend the future and know what it means when we say yes? And before we trust him, no, that's impossible. Do we have to be spiritually advanced to the point of sainthood? Very few of us would meet that qualification. What does God want from us? The same thing he wanted from Mary. Simple faith that he will keep his word in unlikely and unexpected ways. He wants us to say, I am your servant. Be in me as you have spoken. Father, help us to believe. Help us to believe that with you nothing is impossible and to trust you for the miracle that we need today. And I pray this in Jesus' name.